ICG Media presents High Tech Sunday. On today's episode of High Tech Sunday, our hosts, Dr. Mark Vaughn and Lango Dean, sit down with Acquisition Group Head Director at the Commander Fleet Readiness Center, Adrian Somerville, for a conversation on identifying your talent. Up first is Corning Incorporated's Manager of Technical Talent Pipelining, Dr. Mark Vaughn. Next is Career Communication Group's Senior Technology Editor, Lengo Dean. Finally, our esteemed guest, Adrian Somerville. Recognized at the 2020 Women of Color STEM Conference with the President's Award for her contribution in support of Naval Air Systems Command, Somerville has led cost-efficient contracts as well as program and acquisition teams for the last 26 years. Somerville made command history when she created a relationship with Apple and Google to design Nav Air's first mobile career guidebook. And without further delay, High Tech Sunday, featuring Dr. Mark Vaughn and Lango Dean. Thank you so much, Brandon, and uh, welcome everyone to today's episode of High Tech Sunday. Always a pleasure to have you carve out some time to join us for these really encouraging, inspirational conversations with guests from across the STEM spectrum. And certainly that is the case today. We're happy to welcome Adrian Somerville to the broadcast. Hey, Adrian, how are you? I'm doing well, Dr. Vaughn. How are you? Thank you so much for having me today. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, the pleasure is all ours. And uh, I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. During our pre-conversation, we heard Ray Kennedy say that it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. And um, we're certainly glad that spring has sprung. And uh, what better way to spend a part of the Sunday afternoon than talking STEM and high-tech stuff. So today's conversation is really, really critical because it's all about identity and identifying talent. All of us have certainly had the experience where we have been asked, okay, what is it that you are gifted at and skilled at? And so being able to kind of drill down on that is going to be an absolute gift today. And so I'm excited about drilling down into that. Before we go there though, what I want to do is begin like we usually do, and that is having an opportunity to get to know you a bit better. So we want to learn about your background. So if we had uh, the opportunity to catch you on an elevator uh, going up a few floors and we wanted to have the elevator speech kind of going on, what would you tell us you came to be the advocate and the influencer that you are? What's your background and how is it that that turned into this mission you're on? Well, thank you so much. That was an excellent question and a, and a warm introduction. So I really appreciate that. You know, it's interesting. I started wanting to be this like high-priced K Street attorney. And I moved here, accepted into Howard's Law School. And then I learned about this amazing service opportunity to be a part of the STEM family with the Navy, where I'd work with logisticians and engineers. And we would solve not only today's problems, high-tech problems, but also problems for tomorrow, right? Our youth would ultimately have to deal with in the long term. And I thought, you know, what greater way to continue to do what I love to do, which is to service um, a calling that is greater than I. And so that was my interest in STEM, that we would actually be able to follow a path of pursuing challenging national global issues um, in partnership with diverse participants, professionals from all over the world with different rich backgrounds and, and technical and academic backgrounds that we would then work collectively to solve problems. So that was my interest in STEM. And I started as an intern actually in the field of contracting, federal co government contracting, and I thought it was interesting to learn now you can acquire things so you can work to identify the problems. then we would acquire the technology, build or design the technology, and then we would deploy it, and it ultimately would save our sailors and Marines throughout the globe. 
And from there, I decided, okay, this is a great, I did contracting for at least 15 years and then decided I wanted to continue to grow and do something different. And you'll hear me a couple of times in, in our conversations talk about reinventing myself because people who did that always appeared to be fascinating to me. So I decided I wanted to think a little bit differently and moved over into talent management, program management, which is where I met my true love of what I enjoy to do. And then from there, I was called to be like a business operations director and work the logistics of supply chain management of, again, creating those components, the aircraft, the tools we need to keep everyone safe. And, you know, I believe what, what I do enables others to sleep at night, which is always a very humbling opportunity. But I started by way of Norfolk State University academically, then was blessed to go on to FIT, Florida Institute of Technology, and then studied at both Georgetown University and Harvard University. And I think all of you know that academic excellence kind of embodied in me with my passion and purpose to service others and greater causes have brought me to where I am today. Wow, wow, that is an impressive pedigree there as far as your academics is concerned. But early on, I heard you say something that I think resonates with the High Tech Sunday audience and uh, the guests that we've had over the course of the last, wow, eight, nine months now. You said that you are pursuing a calling. You said that it is important for you to serve a purpose that is higher than yourself. And so I got to ask you, because um, we have found on High Tech Sunday that there certainly are varying levels of spirituality that people are informed by and draw upon. Can you speak to us how uh, spirituality has played a role uh, in your journey? Absolutely. You know what I love, what really like warms my soul? is that I truly believe that God created nothing short of masterpieces in everything that he does. And so that includes people. And I believe every person on this planet has a talent. There's a gift. There's something that they are amazing at doing. And so when I think of leaders, you know, you'll hear definitions of leaders and what does leadership mean and what is a manager? But this is my simple definition of leadership. It is, I know, and I believe spiritually, you have a gift. And whether you know it or not, I'm going to help you as a leader discover it. That's my first leadership duty to you. The second aspect of that is we're going to then tap into it and unleash it for the good of the organization that you support, whatever organization that is. And I think when you approach people and organizations as just that masterpieces, even if they're struggling or they're new or they're young, they're still trying to figure it out. That's my job as a leader to help you discover what that beautiful talent is that resonates with you. And it's different. So that's the other richness. I get to tap into it multiple times with the diversity of people, but helping you realize what it is. And then more important, helping you unleash it for the goodness of the organization. To me, that is how you ensure people optimally perform. And there's no greater reward, I think, as a leader than that. Seeing that self-discovery and the manifestation and the organizational and individual gains that result from it. I absolutely love that. You really tapped into something I think that uh, we cannot afford to forget, nor is it possible to overstate, if you will. You said that you believe that everyone has a gift, and if I may, everyone is a gift to be leveraged, to be tapped. And so you see, as part of your mission, I almost said ministry, it's High Tech Sunday, so I guess I'm cool, um, uh, to actually help draw that out of people to help them see themselves as the masterpiece that the master made them, and then to be able to leverage all of that richness where they are showing up. And, and I think that that is uh, amazingly important for us all because uh, you think about it so often, we uh, wind up, I think, falling into traps of comparison making. Uh, I'm not as gifted in in uh, sound engineering and publications and, and all of that as these great folks from CCG. So, uh, you know, why bother? Uh, we, we don't necessarily tap into the, the richness that is in us. 
So before we deep dive into identity and this idea of reinvention, you grew up somewhere. So talk to us about where along your growing up did you kind of realize that this was in you, that you wanted to pursue this, uh, this um, I don't know, this servant um, leadership? Uh, was that something that you had examples of in your youth, or did you come about it as you were growing uh, in college and beyond? You know, I love the fact, and I'm very grateful that I had something called a praying grandmother, and I'm so glad this is, this is really, you know, amazing that we're having this conversation, because this oftentimes get, you know, overlooked when we think of legacy of excellence. And so my grandmother was always, before mentoring was mentoring, I had a grandmother who was definitely a mentor. And so she would emulate the characteristics and the traits in which she wanted us to always display as her grandchildren and her children for that matter. And so I never saw her by one of anything. Like, it was always as if, I, I know I'm going to meet someone who's going to have that need. So a key takeaway there was to always be prepared to support and to give of ourselves in that, in that way. And so for years, I would say she would mentor all of us on the need to service other people and that everyone had something to offer. And so every time I encountered someone, I knew there was some goodness in that individual. And so as a friend, or, you know, as a leader, how am I going to help draw it out of you? And I think what's so amazing is that we're having this conversation at this time, because when I think of the lessons my grandmother always taught us was to value people, to always be served then, right? And, you know, God would always bless those that would be always willing to give, even if it was of themselves. And so that prompted me to even establish a foundation, a Caroline Parker Foundation in my grandmother's name, because I also, in my professional life, but also in my personal life, I also wanted to be known as that servant leader. But she always taught us that, you know, whatever you have, you're blessed to be a blessing. And so you need to always be willing to share it, to acquire it in anticipation of someone needing it, if an opportunity presents itself. And all that we have is from God. So we're called to give it back to others. And you never know who you're going to meet who is going to need something that you have or just the words that you want to share. And so I would say it was my grandmother, years of playing jacks in Norfolk, Virginia, um, in the summer, hot summer, hot summer days in Norfolk, Virginia. Um, and then even in New York, where I was born, you know, growing up, I spent more time with my grandmother than any other human being. And so I just learned from her grace and her commitment. And, you know, she always talked about leadership as, as if it was a legacy to be left. And so to me, if I'm not touching the lives and changing the trajectory of those whom I meet and encounter, then I'm not leaving that legacy leadership that I always aspired, that she always echoed and, and conveyed the importance of doing. Wow, there are so many headlines from that bit of sharing that you just gave us. You are blessed to be a blessing. And then this idea of leadership being a legacy to be left, that is huge. And I think it's a responsibility that all of us have to embrace and actually be informed by day by day. Thank God for the praying grandmothers. Uh, we absolutely know what you mean uh, when you speak about the impact on your life that she had. And what great uh, tribute to have a foundation in her honor. Let's talk about this idea of identifying your talent. Um, you say, identify it, grow it, leverage it. So as a backdrop, can you speak to us a little bit about the current job that you have and what the responsibilities are, and then maybe speak a little bit more about how your reinventing mindset actually played a role in getting you to this current role that you're in. It's such a great, great thing to talk about. I'll be honest with you, because I think it's so important uh, in this day and time, you, you think about America today, I'm just humbled to even share my story. We have 
thousands, hundreds of thousands of people unemployed. We have companies that are not going to reopen, and we have people wondering where they fit in. I also read an article recently that said, you know, three out of five individuals who are employed are still now questioning their careers and whether they should stay or do something different. And so when I think of how do you identify, you know, the talent, and for me, it's, it's very important in my organization. When I came over, I was originally the national business operations director. So I had an opportunity to manage, you know, foreign military sales. I managed you know, establishment of capability and technology in the event our industry partners were not able to support, for example, a wartime environment, the government itself would have to surge capacity to support that. And all the acquisition, the basically when you think of supply chain management, obsolescence, parts availability across the globe, I've had an opportunity even to go to Japan and other places where, you know, we had to have those components on ready every time. And if an aircraft is down, you know, my duty is to get it back up. But we often know when you start peeling it back and disassembling it, it could be a number of things wrong with it. But there's only a certain amount of time to get it all corrected. And so when I started out in acquisition and doing contracting, it was doing that supply chain management. You know, I can watch aircraft come down an assembly line and, and piece and parts and components and work with other um, globally international contractors um, and, and have such success and it be rewarding. I quickly learned behind all of this, just standing in awe watching it, was people. And I thought, huh. And throughout my career, I would meet people whom felt like I don't really know what I offer. You know, I'm not as engaged as I should be. You know, I'm just trying to figure things out. And I would think to myself, how is this happening when you're thinking of, you know, an organization could thrive if you were all in as an individual and you were tapping into the goodness that you had to offer. And so what's missing when individuals feel like I'm not as fulfilled, I'm not as engaged. I'm somewhat trapped. I don't feel worthy. Like I would travel throughout the United States and speak in so many forums. And I would wonder, well, how, like, how did you get to that space? Because I've not had that experience where I was second guessing my value to an organization or my value as a, as a person and what I bring to the table. And so I think that's, that's a sad place to be in. And I realized, well, what would it be like if everyone was 100% engaged, fully operational, aligned to the culture, speaking the language, looking at the data, monitoring their performance, you know, with metrics and analytics, you know, all of those STEM requirements, right? That systematic process, how rewarding that would be for a person. We spend more time in our offices than we do in our homes. So how exciting that would be, right? To have that kind of leadership. So then I started discovering, you know, this whole thing about talent management, like what, what does that mean and how could we implement that in our organization? And it started out as this like environmental scan, just doing some research for about nine months. And I realized organizations would look oftentimes at people through that quantitative lens, right? How many people, how many are there? Like, like give me the numbers. But more importantly, we needed to have this qualitative, not a quantitative view of people. We needed to see like the faces and the feelings and the passion and the interest and, and, and fuse all of that in the form of data. And that allowed me to move from being that contracting person into doing talent management. And then moving from there to doing acquisition and logistics and supply chain management. Because I quickly realized this is really all about people. And so when individuals are thinking, well, how do, how do I identify what I have? I'm, I'm at this interesting place in my life. You know, I always go back to, you'll hear stories about well, what, what makes you excited, like what makes you so passionate. That's, that is a data point I think should definitely be considered. But ask yourself, what, what is it you want to deliver, right? What, what products do you feel like you want to produce? What, you know, do you want to work on aircraft? Do you want to work on ships? Do you want to work on cars? Like, I want to work in a clothing store. I want, to I want to be a fashion person. What is it you really, really want your end product to be? And then I would tell people that's the key. That is the first step to worry less about your talent first and think about what is it I want to produce? What do I want to contribute? What do you want to be your legacy, your landmark, right? Whatever that end item product is. And then think about 
okay, so if that's the end item product, what knowledge, skills, and abilities does an individual need to have in order to do that? That's that second step. So first step, think about what you want to deliver in this world. What do you want to contribute towards? And then think about, well, what knowledge, skills, and abilities do I need to do those things? What steps am I going to have to take to deliver those products that really excite me? And then the third thing would be, let's do a pause and say, what do I have? Now, this is that realistic, that crucial conversation, that reflective moment. This is what I call my lonely work, right? My, this is my lonely work. I've got to write down, this is where I am. This is what I like. This is what I know. And the, the, the highlight of it all that gets me excited is showcase the gaps and what you don't know, because this is where we're going to get those resources to help you close the gap of identifying exactly what you need. Now you're growing, right? I need this, I don't have it. I'm aligning myself in the right place. I'm getting the training, I'm getting the mentorship, I'm doing the shadow assignments, I'm meeting with the right people in that field of industry. Now I'm growing. Every day that you're getting knowledge and information about where you are and you're able to close just an inch of the gap that separates you from what you need to know to deliver what you want to deliver, that is growth and should be celebrated along the way. I'm sorry, sorry to jump in right there. Uh, you, you said something that I think is, is important to underscore. Uh, you've given us a tutorial on some things that we can do to identify talent. Uh, and so I think that you said that that's part of the lonely work. Um, uh, and then once you identify, grow. But you said that part of the growth is connected to mentoring, training, uh, those kinds of activities. Uh, certainly, it has been discussed ad infinitum, perhaps, that people from certain communities find opportunities for being mentored, for being coached, to be difficult to come by. How is it that you are able, or in your experience, have you been able uh, to actually find those coaches, those mentors who were right for the path that you were on um, without there kind of being the sense that you kind of have to settle for whatever you can get. You know what I mean? How, how do you not be marginalized? Absolutely. That's an excellent point. This, I could talk an hour about mentoring. This is a gift I swear to you that keeps on giving. You know, my approach to mentoring has been this. I know there are some organizations that have the eHarmonyMatch.com kind of thing. And if that works for you, that I certainly say go for it. However you identify your mentor, capitalize on it. But what I would offer people do and what I have done in the past is I watch people in an organization and I look to see who has the characteristics that I value and I emulate. Um, and that, you know, that's, that's, and they have the technical competence. They seem like they would be confident with my information. They seem to be willing to help people. And then I would actually interview them. I always tell people when I talk about mentoring is that mentoring is the gift that keeps on giving. But it's a humble opportunity to influence someone's life. So when you find someone that you want to ask to be a mentor, it's, it's, it's an honor for me. I won Mentor of the Year uh, for Naval Air Systems Command several years ago. And I think it's, it's a great experience because this is what's key about mentoring, is that if you're willing to listen to me to pour something in that changes your life, it's, it's, a, it's a win for me and it's a win for you. And I get as much out of those relationships. But what's key about mentoring is embrace the diversity of mentorship. Many of my mentors did not look like me. And so I had to be uncomfortable going in and asking someone who did not look like me and grow into my comfort level of saying, but that's okay, because there's the knowledge that they have. There's a common something that we have. There's a mutual interest. There's a technical expertise that he or she has. Some wore military uniforms as officers. You know, and that was okay too. Some worked in industry, but it's just your willingness to step outside of your uncomfortableness to say, I would like to ask you to be my mentor is another way to grow. And I found that it, some, some didn't work out. When I did the interview, I thought maybe I kind of misjudged this individual, but oftentimes the not, it has been a win-win and it shaped my life. Mentors uh, enable me to not fall into certain traps that would have been career detrimental. Um, they know more, they see more, they're at higher levels. 
so they can give me some insight and really have shaped. I could not be where I am without mentoring. And that's why I always tell people not only to be a mentor, but find, find a mentor. Got it. Thank you so much for that. And I know that you and, and Lango Dean are going to speak more about the process and the importance of mentoring in the next segment. So that was a really great tee up. So we've got identify it. We've got grow it. Now for the leveraging it, certainly the onus is on the individual, but I think too that it's in the best interest of your organization to figure out how to leverage that talent and gift as well. So can you speak a little bit to both? How do you as the individual leverage your gifts and talents, but how is it that your organization is going to have to kind of step up and leverage you as well? I highly recommend people, you know, raise your hand, right? You. You're closing your gap. You're growing it. You're you, you know you're identifying opportunities. And when you see things in organizations, don't be afraid to be you know not necessarily aggressive but assertive. Your career is yours to own, and you are your best advocate. And so you you demonstrate this performance capital of doing things great, investing. You know you're you've got a great reputation. You're building relationships and the mentorship. But raise your hand when those challenging opportunities that come about that you think are not going to be the best opportunities, raise your hand and go after those and show that not only have I grown in my talent, but I'm willing to step forward and leverage it and constantly be that person that goes into that supervisor or that mentor or that leader and say, you know, I think I'm ready for that next challenge. You know, ask yourselves to say, hey, I'm ready to step up. Know what you want. And that's very helpful when I have leaders that come in to me and say, hey, I'd like to be, you know, considered for this. That's, that's that, hey, I'm willing to leverage my goodness for that. And I think, you know, being first and in front to raise your hand when these challenging assignments come about, if you see things aren't happening for you, continue to go in and ask why not. Um, because to the extent as a leader in which all people are being equally leveraged, all talent is is engaged and fully contributing, that's how you're gaining corporate dominance. And so I think raising your hand, being the go-getter, stepping out front, knowing my career is mine to own. Keep that in mind, it is mine to own. So what I want out of it, I will get, but I'm going to have to go after it and step forward and just believe in yourself. And oftentimes for me, that's worked when I had to move from job to job because it's not even what's interesting. And I, I want to nail this point. Don't, don't think about the job in the sense of it being a job. Think about the talent that you have that is redeployable in almost any job. Well said, well said. I think that when you started, the challenge was to raise your hand. But then you speak of those transferable skills that will allow you to be able to reinvent yourself because you have that foundation that you can apply to a number of different sectors. So I think that that was a really, really good plug for all of us. Raise your hand uh, because sometimes people don't even realize that you might be interested in going for that particular opportunity. Uh, one more question before we end this segment. Uh, really interesting, in the pre-meeting, you mentioned that, and it's really provocative, that you never wanted to be successful, you wanted to be significant. Can you speak to the difference between those two? And, and just tell us, what did you mean by that? You know, when you're young and you're you're in college and you're growing up and you're seeing, you know, fancy cars and you turn on TV and everybody, you know, everything is just materialistic. And I always thought like that's, you know, that's really nice to have a lot of things. But this gets back to spiritually, you know, being grounded in who you are and that legacy leadership you wanted to have. You know, I always thought like that's nice. You know, you want a nice home, but it's not as much to me. That's the, that made me successful. Everyone would go, "Wow, you're successful, right? You make a nice salary, you have a nice home, you, you know, a nice car." But to me, I never really looked for that. I remember sitting when I was at Norfolk State University. It's 75 degrees. It's a beautiful day, and you're in the you know you're in the library. Back then, everybody went to the library. Um, so you're in the library doing research, and I thought, "Wow, I just don't want to be that person." that lives this life 
in what today modern day times would consider successful. But what I always wanted to be, going back to what my grandmother said, was I wanted to be significant. You know, I wanted to be the person that was known. You know, she poured all she had, all of her resources, her time, her energy, her commitment was to the elevation of others for the goodness and the escalation of the organization, right? And I wanted to be known as that person that that's where I saw her spend most of her time with the people. And when they left, they were inspired. They were motivated. They moved on. They advanced. They took those golden nuggets and they got into that leadership program. That's the kind of leader I wanted to be. And I find that is much more being that significant leader, more memorable than just successful who, you know, that passes by, just like those, you know, successful things will wither away and value. But when you pour into people, that is something that will continue to feed and grow and manifest generation after generation. Uh, wow. I, I, I'm just sitting here reflecting on how quickly I'm going to steal what you just said. I'll, I'll give you credit. I'll give you credit the first time, first few times, uh, but then I'm going to own it. Uh, because what I heard you say is that when you devote yourself to doing things that are significant, things that matter, that is what success is. And so it is it's so significant to put it that way, because you, you mentioned in your opening statement that oftentimes when we are younger, uh, we kind of focus on the trappings of success as, I don't know, society might kind of dictate or, or uh, what our experience has been, the house, the car, the, the, the six-figure, seven-figure income. But what difference are you making? When we think about significance, what difference are you making? And if you are making a difference, that is success. So I, I listen, this was worth the price of admission just for, just for uh, that sharing. Uh, so I really appreciate that. Listen, I am excited to uh, hand you off to Lango Dean, my co-host, as we continue to drill down the idea of identifying your talent, especially uh, as we think in terms of uh, the younger folks uh, who are in our listening audience today. Hey, Lango, how are you? You're listening to High Tech Sunday, featuring Dr. Mark Vaughn, Lango Dean, and our special guest, Acquisition Group Head Director, Adrian Somerville. Registration for the 2021 Women of Color STEM Conference is now open. Stay tuned for a message from our sponsor. Running from October 7th through the 9th, 2021, don't miss out on the upcoming Women of Color STEM Conference. Since 1995, the Women of Color STEM Conference has been the premier forum of choice for recognizing the significant contributions by women in STEM fields. General registration opens on April 30th, 2021. Don't miss out on the opportunity to meet and learn from executives who are committed to the advancement of women in the workplace. Again, general registration opens on April 30th, 2021. We hope to see you there. please visit www.womenofcolor.net for more information. Again, registration for the 2021 Women of Color STEM Conference is now open. So visit www.womenofcolor.net for more information. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the show, Ms. Somerville. I was just uh, fascinated listening to the conversation between you and Dr. Vaughn, especially when you talked about your praying grandmother. And um, praying grandmothers are really in the news. And the reason I say that, I don't know if you watched this movie about the Korean grandmother. And she 
was a lot like your grandmother, I think. And if you're lucky and you were able to draw lessons from your grandmother, like like you did, then I think you've gone a long way in, in, in getting set up for life. But even so, you still talked about needing mentors in the various fields that you've worked in, federal contracting, talent management, business operations. You talked about finding that common something between people that you have sort of like identified as mentors. Can you tell our young listeners now why it is important to find mentors in your professional and even in your personal life? I think it is so critical to have mentors. And I, and I, I put that in that plural term because I, I've not had less than three mentors at any given time. And when I entered the government, I was 22. And you think of, and I would tell young people, like the world is big. You've got a lot of technology. You've got so much ongoing. And, and I know they've got constant feeds of information. But at the end of the day, you want to have someone that shares your desire for you to be successful and someone that knows a little bit more than you do about where you want to go. And so I have an 18-year-old son who is, is is majoring in mechanical engineering. And I same thing. He has mentors in the field of engineering because they can share a day in their life. They can give you insight and tips into some do's and don'ts, maybe major in this, focus a little bit more on that. This is the technology, battery technology that's coming up soon. And so they would recommend that you participate in certain programs and just open your aperture and expose you to so many things that you may not even think about in the form of just, you know, doing it independently. And the other thing I would like young people to know is I know it may look like it because it seems like that when you get to our levels, but no one gets to where they are alone. No one. If they are saying that, they're a little delusional, maybe. No, everyone that has gotten to where they want to be and are still and or are still climbing the ladder of career progression and development had a mentor and still have mentors. I still have mentors today. And so I would say that information that you would get, it would make your journey a lot easier if you had someone helping you guiding you, and when you feel like you're going to stumble and stagger or even quit, someone that picks you up and say, you know, you've got it. And hey, here's a book. Here's a tool. Go meet with someone else. That's the other thing mentors do. It's about networking, and they expose you and allow you to grow and meet people that ordinarily you wouldn't meet. So I highly recommend students get involved and have a mentor early on in their career as possible. Wonderful. You, you mentioned three things earlier with Dr. Vaughn. You talked about thinking about what you want to do, uh, what knowledge and skills you have, you need for what you want to do. And you talked about that lonely, um, I forget the term that you use now. My lonely work. <laughs> what do I have? This is what I like. This is what I know. But you've also talked about a diversity of mentorship. So if you're doing those three things, if you need to do those three things before you actually set out on your career, well, how diverse should your choice of mentors be? I'd like to think of when I approach my mentoring relationships, there is someone in my field of technology, right? So that would definitely be one. So if I want to be a let's say a civil engineer or chemical engineer or mechanical engineer, I would definitely want to have someone mentoring me that is in that field today. They are telling me about the trends. They're telling me about, you know, things that I need to know and maybe mistakes. That's the other richness. Mentors can be very vulnerable and transparent and they'll share some of their stories and lessons learned. And vicariously, students can learn from just their experiences of like, oh yeah, I get it. Okay, good. And that sticks with the storytelling really sticks with, with our younger people. And I think it's so rich and valuable. And the other thing is it's learn. I think it's so important today to learn that, you know, to the extent in which we're not diverse, we're weak, right? And that's in every facet of our life. 
So if, if, I'm, if I'm entering into the work world, I want to ensure that I already start to realize that I want to be exposed to different types of people and learn different experiences and apply that technical richness. It's only going to make me even better and stronger at what I'm doing because I have such diverse experiences pouring into me. So I think it's important to find someone that may not look like you, um, but maybe grew up in another area or someone that does look like you and, you know, have climbed this ladder of success and, and they're right there delivering products that you ultimately want to deliver. And there's a huge gap between what they know and you know, and throughout your career and meeting and sharing of stories and lessons learned and progress with them, you can get to where they are. I think that's very important from a diversity perspective to have mentors that look like you and mentors that do not look like you. Thank you for that. You have worked in so many different fields. You, I mean, it's within the federal government, but it touches so many different things. Uh, just reading your book, um, Wingspan, gives us that sort of broad view of all the different things that you do. Uh, and you talk now about finding someone in your field, exposing yourself to many different people. Are you a part of any organization that young people can join to find mentors, these diverse people that they need? So I, I do a lot of mentoring with the Caroline Parker Foundation. That's one of the areas. And I make myself available on LinkedIn. So anyone's listening to this, if you want to reach out to me, regardless of whatever your age is, if you're a student or you're senior professional, or you're still just kind of trying to figure things out, I make myself available as well and i think that's very important to do and so from an organizational standpoint i'm not really affiliated with any organization that offers that but i'm happy to just do that because of, that's just who i am and if you're looking for an organization like nesby or, or or anything like that i'm happy to get i know a lot of people so one of the richness about a mentor is I can mentor you, but I'll also ensure that I get you in front of the right people. And so I offer that to, to students as well. Sometimes just being that like connector to bring them in, to get them started um, on that journey with others. I'm happy to do that as well. That's great. Do you have any stories about how a mentor helped you on your journey um, or how you helped a mentee? If you could share those stories, that, that would be really, really great. I am so glad you asked this question because I will tell you, so this was an epic change in my life. I was asked to ask for, offer my services and participate in a particular role. And so it would be a step up for me. It was the senior, I would be junior, but I would be acting in a senior capacity. And so I accept the job. I'm doing a great job. I'm working with people. My feedback is good. Well, I was only acting. So there were two new opportunities coming up. And one was going to be the position I was in. And the other was going to be a new position. And it would warrant me to drive into DC, Crystal City area, and work for a whole new organization, kind of on loan, if you will. And so, of course, I'm naturally thinking I'm doing a great job. I'm crushing it. Everybody's happy. So am I. We interview for the position and I do get selected, but I did not get selected for the position I was in. So you can only imagine. <laughs> I was at this point like there is just no way. Like what like what happened like this? You know, this cannot be happening. I'm devastated. I'm trying to understand, like, you know, am I, I thought I was doing an amazing job. I don't understand what happened here. And so I call my mentor because I'm just, this is my trusted agent. This is the one I can be totally transparent with. And I know it's not going to come back and be taken in any negative way. But basically, I am like, are you serious? Are you sitting down listening to this whole play out of this story? And, you know, he said, first of all, a couple of things. Um, transpired here. He said, and, and at this point, I'm not even willing to take the promotion. No, think about that. I'm not willing to accept the promotion. That would have been a crazy thing to do. But it took my mentor settling me down, which is what they do. Sometimes they talk us off the ledge. And so he said, so you, you declined the job. And I said, absolutely. You know, I'm with conviction, my feelings are hurt and this will happen to us. Right. I said, you know, I just don't even understand. Like, this is a tra this is just a tragedy. So what happened was my mentor said, first of all, you are going to accept the job because it's a promotion. 
Secondly, sometimes we don't all have all the facts. You think you have all the pieces to the puzzle, but you don't. So there, you and the other contender both came out on top. She could only do one job. You could do either job. And so this is the other enlightenment moment that mentors provide. That's information that I didn't have. I was all eyes on me and my myopic world, wondering why things didn't go my way. And so the mentor enlightened me. You, you, we don't turn down promotions. That's foolish. Get your feelings together. This is about an organization. You and an organization, you're going to accept the job, but this is what you're going to do. You're going to make it your own. You're going to ask for this. You're going to explain this. You're going to go there and do this. Well, let me just tell you, that job was one of my best government jobs ever, ever. I did everything my mentor said. You know, I collected myself, realized there is a greater good. There's a bigger organization here. It is not just about me, but they were trying to still take care of me, recognizing the contributions I had made. But I couldn't see that. And at the time, it took that mentor saying, like, let's remove this, this lens that you have and open your paradigm to what's really happening here and that this still is a great opportunity. That position positioned me for another position, so which was another promotion. But I had turned down a job that I had to call back and say, okay, I'll take it, you know? And the reality is that was insane. That was it. So the, he, I, I'll never forget, and, and his name was Mr. Sharp. He said to me, like, you know, you, you've got to get yourself together here. You're making a mistake, and this will not be a good thing to do in your career. And he saved me. And so I'm forever grateful for that. And never mind the fact that when I took the job that I was given, um, I loved the job better than the job I had. And he said, I knew you would. You just had to step out on faith. And you had to believe in yourself because it was different than what you were doing. It was a whole new cast of characters. But that belief, believe in yourself like I believe in you. And I know you're going to do amazing. And we all do, which is why we were, we were affording you the opportunity. So that, that is like, that's been my testimony for like, don't allow yourself to fall into that trap of not, had I not been able to call him, I was going down the path of, I'm not taking this job. And I'm, I'm going to find something else because my feelings are hurt. And it's not even about that. And he said, look, this is a bigger picture. This is a technical decision. There's information that we're not often privy to that mentors share and enlighten us behind closed doors. And so I think that it changed my life and it set me up not only for that promotion, but the promotion I received afterwards. And never mind the fact I love the job. <laughs> That's wonderful. Great testimony. I mean, you know, it's great to have someone like that in your trusted circle, your trusted community, someone who can gather you in, pull you in, um, tell you, get your feelings together, tell you to look, ahead, look toward the greater good. And today, I don't know how many years later or how many months later, here you are, you know, testifying to the, uh, the soundness of the advice that you got from your mentor. Um, before I turn it back to Dr. Vaughn, uh, real quickly, can you tell us what the best advice, I don't think anything can top what you just said, but <laughs> maybe there is something. What is the best advice you've ever received from a mentor on your journey? Was that, that was definitely an example of it. And the other thing that my mentor told me uh, throughout my career was to be willing to risk it. And I think that was a female um, admiral who shared that, uh, Admiral James. She said, be willing to have calculated risk. Be willing to throw yourself out there. Like, you know, we'll find, we will talk ourselves into why we don't qualify for something, why we don't, why we're not ready, why it's not the best time. And she always, she said, be willing to risk it. Throw your name out there. Throw yourself out there. Let people know you're hungry. You have the appetite. You can do it. And to take a risk. Because sometimes opportunities are given to individuals because of performance, and sometimes opportunities are given to individuals because, you know, there is a belief that you will be able to do it, right? So either I've performed it or either I have the potential to perform it. And so by throwing myself out, ourselves out there as individuals, we raise our hands to say, hey, pick me, because even if I haven't performed it, 
I have the potential to do it. And so that advice has always enabled me to raise my hand for hard assignments, things that people are less likely to do, you know, take on that additional assignment that benefits not only me because I'll grow and learn from it, but it helps the organization. And then you quickly become that go-to problem solver, right? You know who knows this? Because I've met new people, I've been exposed to different things, my network's grown, I've been able to speak at conferences, things that if I remained in my, at my, you know, in my office, just doing my day-to-day, -day, I would never have experience. And you know, that's how we continue to grow. So I would say, you know, be willing to risk it, be willing to, to believe enough in yourself to say, even if I haven't performed, I have the potential. And give me an opportunity and access, I'll show you via my performance. That's great. Well, we look forward to seeing you at the 2021 Women of Color Conference. Um, but for right now, I am going to hand it back to Dr. Vaughn. Thank you so much again, Ms. Somerville. You're Dr. welcome. Thank you so much. It was nice to chat with you today. Wow. I, I I know that I keep saying that those three letters, wow, but uh, there's a lot of wow stuff that you're sharing, Adrian Somerville. And, and so we're just really enjoying the conversation as I was listening to you and Lango Dean. Be willing to risk it. Another headline. This is one of those broadcasts where you got to sit with your notebook and you're taking down the headlines and then you've got to play <laughs> it back and then you've got to read through your notes. Uh, and so we thank God earlier for praying grandmas. Thank God for mentors who are, and this is a play on his name, sharp. You need a sharp mentor. Uh, and so sometimes we have mentors who won't go there with us. You said he had to fuck you off the ledge. And I think that so oftentimes. Uh, we've got mentors who are watching us take the plunge and then we're splat on the ground and then they want to come and clean up the mess. So really glad uh, that you have that example of a sharp mentor. And look how it worked out. Uh, you, you also said that we don't always have all of the information. We don't always have the same vantage point and perspective that those who uh, perhaps are making the decisions do. And so uh, again, very important to have that mentor. Two things that I want to make sure I get to really quickly. I can't believe how the time has flown. Um, Lango mentioned your book, Wingspan. Can you, we don't want, we don't want all the spoilers because we want people to get the book. Uh, and so uh, if you could just give us kind of like, what was the motivation or, or what is it that you hope people take away from Wingspan? And then of course, let us know how we can get a hold of it. Oh, absolutely. You know, I sat when we were going down this path of COVID and I thought, you know, this time can be a blessing or a curse, but I knew we were going to have individuals that were going to come out of this without a job. And so I thought, well, what greater form than to put together in some sort of book or documentation? Because I would speak at events and people would ask, do you have that in a book? Or if I was mentoring someone they were writing and they would say, gosh, I wish you had it in a book. And so I would say, gosh, well, maybe this is the time, right? The time to put all those thoughts, those knowledge, lessons learned. And it really is about you are an individual with something to offer. Don't let anyone take that away from you, even during this gray and or dark time. And so I wanted to put those tools and, and those processes of self-discovery and that lonely work, right? During the season of silence, if that's where you are, there's just a season of silence because it's going to get noisy again very soon for you. So I don't want people to lose themselves in this climate. So I wanted to talk to individuals about how to get themselves back by discovering that talent, believing in yourself, throwing yourself, raising your hand out there in short order for a whole new company that's going to open a whole new path of success for you. And then the other piece of it, the faceted leaders, if you're going to thrive, you're going to need to tap into that talent. So how do you do your talent acquisition? How do you hire? How do you train? How do you develop? How do you more importantly retain with the amount of money that's spent into talent acquisition these days? And how do you have targeted training to grow your workforce? That's that other dynamic. And so this gives you a succinct listing view all in one book. We didn't need to talk about it for a thousand pages because people are busy. And so I wanted to say succinctly, here's some tools as an individual and here's some tools as an organizational leader that when you embody, you do just what I say in the book, you gain corporate dominance. And this is the way you move forward in, in today's environment. 
Thank you so much. And and where can we get the book? So it's available on Amazon, or if you go to my www.somervilleconsultinggroup.com, you can also buy it from me directly, and I'll autograph it and send it to you. Cool, cool. Thank you so much. So we're almost out of time, but six months ago, you became the newest member of Women of Color Royalty because you are a 2020 recipient of a Women of Color President's Award. Now, these are among the most prestigious awards that the organization bestows on individuals for their contributions. So we got to ask you before we run, what was that like? What does it mean to have been recognized in that manner? It was so humbling. Uh, I was just so honored and just grateful. It, it was the pinnacle for me. It, it really meant that, you know, all that I have been doing over the nearly 30 years had like come to fruition for an organization. First of all, the Women of Color is like the best conference for me in the like on the planet. And so for that to be the forum, to me, it just made me feel like I'm whole. You know, like this, it was so meaningful to come from the career communications group, for one, an organization I have such respect and admiration for what they're continuing to do year after year, day after day. And then for it to be, you know, something so prestigious to be among so, so many amazing women. I mean, it to me, it, it made me feel like, wow, that was the word, like, like, I, like this is really, I'm whole, like, this is it. And the eloquent words of Michael Jackson, this is it. I think that's the first, uh, the Michael Jackson quote, and it fits. Um, listen, Adrian, Adrian Somerville, wow, what a great conversation. It's been such a pleasure having the opportunity to get to know you and to share you and your experiences with the High Tech Sunday audience. This broadcast really has shined a light on talent, how to identify it, how to grow it, how to leverage it. And we are so grateful to you for being willing to share with us. Can't wait to see what's next for you, but thankful that you've given us some tips and some tools for how we can uh, move to what's next for us. Can you give us a last word uh, as uh, we are sent on our way? Last word of encouragement or inspiration. Absolutely. You know, I started this interview and thank you so much. This has just been an amazing experience. I, I, I hope I get to come back again. I started with my grandmother and, you know, sharing stories, something she always said to, to my cousins and to me. And this is what I offer to everyone listening is that you are great. You are great. And greatness, my grandmother said, can never be contained. So she would just say, shine on, just shine on. And I want people to think about it during these, these trying times, you are still great. And so it's just a matter of time that your greatness will continue to radiate because she always said it could never be contained. You will have your time to shine. So keep that in mind. What a great way to end the conversation. You will have a time to shine. Well, thank you for shining a little bit of light on us, uh, Adrian Somerville, it's been a pleasure. For Lango Dean and the uh, rest of us here at High Tech Sunday, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you all so much for having me. I really appreciate the work you're doing. Thank you, this was amazing. Well, Brandon Newby, turning it back to you to send us off. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of High Tech Sunday. Career Communication Group's High Tech Sunday looks at professional development and technology through the lens of spiritual philosophies. In a time when digital information is more critical than ever, this weekly program is produced by and for CCG's community of alumni and professionals in science, technology, engineering, and math fields. The community runs from national thought leaders to aspiring students, and this weekly series aims to bring a concentrated discussion around technological advancements and achievements based on universal moral principles. The one-hour podcast will be streamed every Sunday. The podcast can be accessed through the Bay of Facebook page, Women of Color Facebook page, and CCG YouTube page. 
In addition to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and Spotify. Please join us next time. Nominations for the 2022 BAYA STEM Conference are now open. someone in your organization who goes above and beyond? Nominate them for a 2022 BAYA STEM Conference Award. Please visit www.ccgheroes.com for more details on our nomination process. All peer-reviewed nominations are due on August 31st, 2021. All Outstanding Achievement Award nominations are due on October 1st, 2021. Again, please visit www.ccgheroes.com for more details on our nomination process.